Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm going to do a message today, and I'm going to entitle it this, Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. And I'm, I'm, and I'm going to get into this because I'm not going to paint a, a rosy picture as if you're going to walk out of here with no troubles. You're, you're not going to do that. And in fact, Don even alluded to it during his ministry time um, earlier um, and almost preached my whole sermon for me. Thank you very much, Pastor Don. But it's not that all the troubles are going to go away, but that you can walk out of here and deep in your heart, And deep in your spirit, you can know that you can know that you can know that everything is really going to be okay. And so today, I just, I just want to bring this to you. I don't know about y'all. And again, I, I know we've talked about, you know, what the season has been and COVID season. And I think now it's been like 15 months. We're turning the corner. Things are starting to come back to normal. And we're so, so grateful about that. But I don't know if y'all have noticed this. Or not, but there's such, there's such a discouragement that people are carrying. And I, I don't know if it's because people have been so isolated for so long. And I'm not talking about just church. I'm just talking about in general, people in general. I don't know if it's because people have been isolated for so long and then you're kind of getting back into the groove. Or just when you think the news cannot get any worse, it goes from worse to worse to worse to awful to horrific to just, you just go you almost just can't even watch I don't even watch the news on TV anymore because it's so maddening for me and I don't care what channel it is I don't care what viewpoint it is I just read my news on my phone so that all the emotion is taken out of it and even in reading the news on my phone there's still days you just click off and just go enough just enough because the news can be so discouraging. Discouragement simply means a lack of courage. Means that you don't have the courage to get up and go forward into whatever you need to do. It's discouragement. You don't have the courage. You don't have the strength. And so today, my prayer is that I'm going to come and I'm going to pour some courage into you, which means encouragement. That's what encouragement means, is to pour courage into. So if you've walked in here today... And you may be discouraged with something. You may be discouraged with the condition of our nation. You may be discouraged with situations in your community or in your family. You may uh, have uh, individual situations that are going on that bring in discouragement. My prayer today is that by the Spirit of God and by the presence of the Holy Spirit would come today and bring encouragement into you, pour courage into you to be able to walk out of here with your head lifted high and your shoulders put back saying everything is really going to be okay. I read this, I read this, uh, this quote or this saying so many, many years ago, and I've repeated it a million times over because it is, it is simply so very true. And I read it, it was written gender specific for women, but it, it is not gender specific because it goes across the gamut. But it said this, daughters ask questions, mothers give answers, and grandmothers give perspective. 
Now you can go back. Sons and daughters ask questions. Mothers and fathers give answers. Grandmothers and grandfathers give perspective. Is that so very true? And those of you who are in the grandparent season of your life, you're going to understand that because, and then those of us with grandparents or those of you who still have grandparents, it's those grandparents that tell you, baby, it's really going to be okay. Baby, I've seen bad times before. God is going to be with us. Baby, it's, it's going to be okay. How many of you, as parents, though, probably before you even got into church, have answered 50 questions today from your kids just today? Okay. Is it going to rain today? What are we having for lunch today, Mama? When can we go swimming today? Can we go get a snow cone today, Mama? What? Okay. You're going to answer, ask the questions over and over and over again. When Hannah, we have three children. Hillary's our oldest. Hannah's our second oldest. And then our youngest is William. And back when they were all kids and all at home, they were in elementary school. And I'd pick them up from, um, I'd pick them up from school one day and, uh, and we were driving back to the house and Hannah can, is kind of known for her volume. She kind of, you know, can be like really, really loud. And so, and y'all may walk away and go, I know where she gets it from. So I don't know. But anyway, so she, she can be really, really loud. And, uh, we were driving home from school one day and all of a sudden she is a mama, mama. You scared me to death like a truck was fixing to hit us or something. No, Hannah, what's wrong? Mama, why is America in so much debt? I said, what? Mama, why is America in so much debt? Hannah, why are you asking me that? Well, we learned in school today and da-da-da. And I just want to know, debt's not good. And so why is America in so much debt? And so as the mama, I'm supposed to be giving answers because that's what mamas do. And I simply said, Hannah, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea. I'm trying to figure out what we're having for supper. I don't know why America's in debt. I don't know. But daughters and sons ask questions. Mamas and daddies try to give answers. And if you don't have answers, you just make something up. And then grandparents will give perspective. And so I found that the older that I get in life and the longer that I've been in ministry, my role is changing. Eugene and I, we told you kind of about our change of uh, responsibility here at Our Savior's Church and how we're just pastoring the pastors and going to each campus and, and telling them what we see. And it's just funny because, like, they really want to know. I'm just going, okay, are y'all sure y'all really want to know what we think? And so, but it's giving perspective. And so the longer we walk in this and the older we get, we're finding ourselves giving, giving more and more perspective rather than even the answers, but gets giving a perspective. So today, let me, let me tell you, a, a definition of perspective is this. It simply means a point of view. Perspective simply means a way of looking at or thinking about something, a point of view. And I liken it to this. If any of you have been to, um, if any of you have been to an LSU game at the LSU Stadium, Tiger Stadium, or if you've been you know, at a high school football game or whatever, but in particular LSU, because it's so grand and so big, I liken perspective to sitting in the bleachers. And so if you're at LSU or at a football game, wherever, then there, there's the playing field, there's the sidelines, and then there's the bleachers in which you sit. Now, if you're at LSU or a big-time stadium, not only do they have the bleachers, but at the very top, you're going to have the owner's boxes, you're going to have the coaches' boxes up there, and they're going to be at the very highest place possible. 
and they're overwatching that game. They're looking over that game. And so they may not be the ones playing the game, but they're the ones making the call from the game. And the higher you sit up in the bleachers, the greater your perspective is. Because if you're playing the game, you can only see it from the ground level and what's happening right there. If you're on the sidelines, you're only seeing it from ground level and where the play's happening. But if you're sitting in the bleachers or if you're in one of those press boxes, you can see the game from beginning to end. You can see from one end zone to another. You can see the play being able to be played out and they're radioing back down going, watch for this guy, watch for this number, watch for this play. And so for those of you who are, have walked with the Lord a long time, and those of you who are more seasoned in life, don't let the enemy tell you that God's done with you because it's a lie of the enemy. All you are simply doing is sitting high enough in the bleachers to be able to now speak perspective to go, I've seen God move here, 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 and here. I see how the enemy's strategy works here, 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 and here. I know what happens when this begins to happen. God begins to move. I know what's about to happen. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep walking. Because everything is going to be okay. And so today... Whatever you're feeling today, whatever's worrying you, whatever you is giving you anxiety or bringing fear to you, I want you to know from my perspective that everything is going to be okay. <clears throat> I'm not saying that your problems are going to go away. And I'm not saying that you're going to walk out of here and our nation is going to turn around and everybody's going to love God. I'm not telling you you're going to walk out and New Iberia is going to fall on their face and repent and give their lives to God and that everybody is going to love him. I'm not telling you that. But I am telling you that your perspective and how you see things can change when you walk out of here. Jesus even said in John chapter 16, he said this, He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart that I have overcome the world. And so if we're Christians and we're believers and we walk with God, even when traumatic things happen and even when hard things happen and even in your life, when you walk through difficult times and I didn't give them this scripture, but in Romans 8, 28, the Bible is still true when it says that God's going to work all things together. For our purpose, those who are love him and who are called according to his purpose, that he's working all things, even the yucky things. He's working it out for your good. And there's going to be one day you're going to look back and go, maybe not thank God I went through that. But had I not walked through that, I wouldn't be where I'm at now and have seen the goodness of God the way I've seen him now. So today I'm going to go through this very quickly. I'm going to give you four things. Just my perspective of what I've seen from my vantage point and from my viewpoint, four things that I've seen just over this most unusual season that we're just coming out of. Is that okay today? Just four things that I've seen that I hope will encourage, pour courage into your heart to be walking out of here with a different perspective, a different point of view than you when you walked in. Number one is this. This is what I know to be true. Number one, God's peace is perfect. God's peace is perfect. Isaiah 26 says this. It says that he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever 
For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. God's peace is perfect. And what Isaiah tells us, it's simply, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, uh, to uh, paraphrase it and put it in, in everyday terms, it simply means this. Our hearts can be full of peace when our minds are full of trust. Our hearts can be full of peace when our minds are full of trust. And you've heard people say, Pastor Don even said it to this morning in prayer, that God's peace is perfect. It passes all understanding. The words tells us that. But if we don't have, we cannot have peace in our hearts until we have trust in our minds. That's what Isaiah says, that he's going to keep us in perfect peace because our minds trust in you. And so many of us, we want the peace and we pray for the peace of God and we want the peace in our hearts, but we haven't allowed our minds to be filled full of trust. Because we have to trust God in a level that's beyond human comprehension. We have to trust him beyond what's happening in our lives. We have to trust him that he's working things out for our good. And when our minds are full of trust, then our hearts will be full of peace. It goes, tw- it goes two, two and two together. Hearts full of peace because our minds are full of trust. So my question to you today is who or what? is robbing you of your peace. There is something or someone, and we're not going to name names today, people, so just keep it to yourself. There is something or someone that you are allowing to rob your peace. No one can come and take your peace from you unless you allow them to. No situation is going to rob you of your peace unless you allow it to. Who or what is robbing that you're allowing to rob the perfect peace? What does perfect peace mean? Perfect peace means the world can be going to the hell in a handbasket. The world can be swirling out of control. The world can be turned upside down. And you can walk in perfect peace, meaning not with an ostrich with your head in the ground and acting like none of it's happening, but you can walk through it going with your eyes fixed on him, going there is a perfect peace that passes all understanding. And I know that God is greater than anything that's going on, anything that I'm watching, anything that I'm walking through. There is a peace that comes upon us that we can walk in the security and the confidence that God God is with us. And if he is with us, we're going to get through with whatever is ahead of us. His peace, his peace is perfect. Many years ago, this was many, many years ago. And I I, I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all. Maybe this is not y'all. Maybe this is not y'all's situation. Maybe everything in your life is just wonderful. And that's awesome and you have no problems, no family drama, nothing going on, everything's perfect. If that's the case, I will meet you in the foyer and you can let me know how you make that happen because that's not even the case with us. And many times you sit in the audience and you hear whoever, whatever speaker or pastor is up here and you think that everything's just hunky-dory and our lives are just all together. Well, that is wrong. It is not true because we walk through whatever you walk through. So many, many years ago... I've had, and I'm, this is another message for another day, but I've, I've had a lot of drama 
a lot of heartbreak, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt with extended family in my family. And I don't know if your family has drama. My family lives for drama. When there is no drama, they create drama. When things are fine, they make up things to be dramatic about. When everybody's loving everybody, they're going to fight with somebody just so that they can have some drama. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying it like it is. And so it was, it was a, a, the height of some family drama going on. And we lived in Louisiana and my family's all back in Texas. And things were bad and phone calls were coming. And back then we didn't have cell phones and it, you'd have the answering machine. Remember those? You'd hit and the whole world would hear your message. And so I would come in regularly from picking the kids up from school or doing whatever we were doing. And I'd hit the answering machine button. And then the drama would spill over on my answering machine. And I'd race to it to try to get it to stop and erase it before my kids heard it. And sometimes I made it and sometimes I didn't. And sometimes I had to hear it. And it was just up and down and up and down. And it would just tore me up. And when mama's torn up, mama's in this house and everybody else. When mama's torn up, guess what? Everybody's torn up. When mama's turned upside down, everybody's turned upside down. And there was a day that Eugene came to me. And he looked at me and he said, Heidi, I refuse to allow, and he filled in the blank with this person's name. I refuse to allow them to rob the peace of God that rests in this family. And because they don't have peace, you're, you're getting pulled into it. You're allowing yourself to get pulled into it. And you don't have peace. And because you don't have peace, I don't have peace. And because we don't have peace, our kids don't have peace. And there is a presence of God that rests in this house. And you're allowing a person from a state away to rob us of this peace. And I'm telling you today, it is over. We are not doing this anymore. Now, I'm not, we, I'm not saying we're not, you know, cutting people out, all that. But we allow, we allow the person or the thing to rob us of our peace. And if you've got names swirling in your head, again, keep them to yourself, but just go, have a, who have I allowed to rob? Don't complain about not having peace in your life when you're not willing to do something about it. And I'm not talking about being ugly or disrespectful or hateful or anything like that. But there are boundaries that you can draw and there are lines that you can draw. And there's a decision that you can make that says God's word says I can live in perfect peace. And if I'm not walking in peace, then I have a responsibility to see what am I allowing to rob the peace in my home and in my family. Because God's word says that it's perfect. There's a lot of things that you cannot control. There's a lot of things you cannot control, but we can absolutely control what comes into our hearts, what comes into our minds, and what comes into our home. And most of the time, we spend all of our time trying to control things that we don't have control over and not controlling things that we do have control over. That we can control. We can control who or what are you allowing to rob the peace of God in your life. Let me give you this just as a side note before I go to number two. How many of you are in here who are parents or grandparents and that you have found yourself to be fearful in this time because of your children or grandchildren? Go, how are my kids going to grow up in this? I mean, again, when things go from crazy to crazy to crazy to crazy, 
And there, how many of you have done that? Go, you know what? I've been concerned. My children or my grandchildren are being raised in this environment and in this culture right now that's so, that's so alarming and, and so concerning. There's a verse in Acts chapter 17, and I'm just going to go to the uh, Passion Translation. And it says this. It says, For one man, Adam, made every man and woman in every race of humanity. And he, God, spread us all over the earth. He set boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. And so if you're, if you're a, a parent in here or a grandparent in here, and there's been fear come and, and peace, you haven't had the peace that you've needed and you've allowed fear to come in because of raising children in this time and age or raising grandchildren in this day and age. The verse that I just read that God appoints us exactly in history when we are to be alive and when we are to live our life. That your children and your grandchildren, God has equipped to give them exactly what they need to live in, in this very day and age. That we are not to speak fear over our children. We are not to put our fear on our children and speak fear over them or our grandchildren. We are to equip them and speak faith over our children and grandchildren because they were appointed for this very time to be alive in this very age. And if God appointed them to be alive in this very age, most certainly will he not give them exactly what they need to walk through this. So don't put your fear and your worry and your anxiety on them. Okay, we've got to get control of what's robbing our peace and get control of that. And then we need to speak faith and hope and belief into our children and grandchildren because they are here at this very appointed time for a reason. Does that make sense? Number two is this, just my perspective. My perspective from where I sit. Number two is this, what I've seen these last year and a half. We've seen this, that's more true now than ever before. Number two is this, that God's house is vital. God's peace is perfect. And number two, the, God, the house of God, the church of God is vital. Have you ever in your life, Pastor Paul and Lynn, would believe in your entire life in ministry that church would be shut down, doors closed for six months, and you would not be allowed to go to church? Never in our lifetime, never in your lifetime did you ever imagine. And I remember during that time when church was shut down, I would, Eugene and I would just look at one another and go, okay, is this like, like we're living in the twilight zone or something? This cannot be happening, that you cannot go to church, that you are not allowed to go to church. And the church doors were closed. And people are coming back now, thankfully. I think Eugene has told you this in Opelousa, St. Landry Parish, we were hit very hard with COVID and and, and a lot of our people were affected and were sick and a lot of deaths. And it was, it was traumatic, so I'm not making light of it at all. But coming out of it going, you cannot not be in the house of God and it not affect you somehow. And online church is great when that's all you have. And if you're sick and, and you're, you can't be at church for whatever reason, and, and thank God for technology, but it does not take the place of walking into the house of God and feeling the presence of God like we did this morning. It doesn't take the place of it. That what I know now more than ever before is that the house of God is vital. It's absolutely vital. And in Psalm chapter 73 Psalm 73, the first 16 verses, which I'm not going to read, 
the first 16 verses, Psalms describes the culture of their day. So if you went back and you read, I encourage you to do that, Psalm 73, and read the first 16 verses. It talks about the culture of their day. It talks about the wickedness and the evil and the unrest and the fear. A lot of what we're dealing with today. There really is nothing new under the sun. And so the psalmist is saying all these things and how wicked and evil and the culture and the wicked people are winning. And he just goes through this whole thing. And then in verse 17, he says this. But then one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God, the house of God. And in the light of his glory, my distorted perspective vanished. In the light of his glory, when I came into the house of God, my distorted perspective vanished. How do you get your perspective to be clear? Go to church. How do you get your mind to be clear? The Bible says it. That all this wickedness is going on and all this evil is going on. And when I walked into the house of God, in the light of his glory, my distor- my perspective that was so distorted, that was so, so skewed, that was so off, it all vanished and it all cleared. In light of his glory, my, dis- the, the, my, uh, my distorted perspective vanished. Prayerfully, when you come to church on Sundays, you may walk in one way, but prayerfully you walk out different. Again, just like what Pastor Don said, your situations may not change. And everything that you walked out of, most probably, is going to be waiting for you when you leave today. But you have control over one thing. And that's how you choose to see it. It's how you choose to see it. So you may have walked in with one perspective today. And prayerfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is helping your your perspective to be cleared. And the psalmist says it happens when you come into the house of God. That God's house is vital. It's essential. So many people, even during the time that the church was shut down and through COVID, and again, for health reasons which are absolutely valid, But some people got into the habit of, oh, it's just easier to click the computer on or click on my phone and watch church there. It's easier to keep my pajamas on and stay at home and just watch it there. And again, there's a time and a place for that. But it doesn't take the place of us gathering together as a body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage, pouring courage into one another as we anticipate the day that is dawning. In the day and age that we live, church, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. I know that. But in the day and age that we live, God's house is more vital than ever before. Us gathering together as spiritual family is more, more vital than ever before. Y'all's picnic on Saturday. Oh, that's not a spiritual thing. Oh, it's very spiritual. Because you're going to gather together with spiritual family and like believers. And I leaned over and told Hillary, and I love it, Don, just for the record, I love it. I said, I guarantee you no other campus is putting a map with a color-coded where everything's going to be, labeling everything. I'm telling you, I said, that is Don Norman. 
I love it. I love it. I said, every other campus is going to show up. They're not going to know where to go to kingdom come. They're going to be driving in circles. They're not going to know where the softball field is. They're not going to know where the restrooms are. They're going to be just driving in chaos, not New Iberia. Y'all know exactly where you're going. You know exactly where the concession stand is going to be. And I said, that is Don Norman. I love that. And every campus needs that. They need a diagram of what that picnic day is going to look like. But it's spiritual, though, because it's gathering together. It's encouraging one another. Because when you're at picnic day and you're playing softball or you're sitting there under your tent with snowballs or whatever, somebody's going to come along. And you're going to bring friends with you because a lot of people may not come in here with you. But guess what? They'll come to your field in the back. They'll come eat a snowball with you. They'll come watch all the craziness of softball being played. And prayerfully, it's all in Jesus' name and nobody loses their head. But there's going to be somebody come along that's going to be having a bad day. Somebody is going to come along that's going to be discouraged. That's not going to have the courage they need to go through what life has, has dealt them. And you're going to be able to grab them and go, you look like you're having a hard day. Or can I pray with you about something? Or I feel like God put this on my heart for you. There's ministry happening even out there in that field. Because again, we are gathering together in the name of Jesus. And the word says that we are to do it even more frequently in the day and age that we live. Because there are going to be tough days ahead. If we think this was the last storm that's come, we're foolish. There's going to be more storms that come in the physical and in the, in the spiritual. And I'm not saying that to be discouraging. I'm saying that God's giving us what we need to go. We have to have a perspective in how we're to walk through this. And when another storm comes, the house of God is vital. This is where you get your perspective cleared by coming into God's house. Number three is this, my perspective from where I sit. Number three, God's throne is secure. That's what I know that I know that I know that God's throne is secure in this crazy turned upside down world. God is still in control. He's still in control. There's a verse in Isaiah. It says this in Isaiah 66. It says heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I want you to picture that in your head. This is God speaking. Heaven is my throne and the earth, the earth is my footstool. When there's problems that come in your life that are so big that you do not want to do and you do not know what to do, I want you to have that picture in your mind of Isaiah that God is sitting in heaven on his throne. The earth is his footstool. And when you get that picture painted in your mind, there is no problem, no situation, no concern that you have that's too great for our God to come in and work on your behalf. God's throne is secure. Psalms 82 says this. I love this. Psalms 82. All rise for God now comes to judge as he convenes in heaven's courtroom. He judges every judge and rules over every ruler. And then in verse 8 it says again, All rise, for God now takes his place as judge 
of all the earth. I don't know if y'all remember, I don't think she's even on TV. I don't even watch TV that much anymore. But back in the day, y'all remember a little Mighty Mouse lady that had a black uh, uh, judge's coat on with short hair? Her name was Judge Judy. Okay, y'all remember little, I call her little Mighty Mouse. Little bitty tiny thing, but she was tough as nails. And if you remember, if you watch any of those kind of programs, the, 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 the clerk will come in before they walk in, before little Mighty Mouse walks in, Judge Judy. The clerk comes in and goes, all rise, the honorable, they didn't say Mighty Mouse. They said the honorable Judge Judy. And here she would come. And she'd get up there. That's what the psalmist is saying. There's coming a day that all of heaven is going to say, all rise. All rise. All of heaven, all rise. The honorable, the majestic, the awesome, the holy, the mighty one of Israel is coming. And he is going to take his place as judge over all the earth. And as hard as it for us to believe now, there is coming a day, church, when God is going to make every wrong right. There is nothing that he is not going to set right. There's nothing that he's not going to judge. There's nothing that he's not going to bring into order and to bring it right. And when it seems like the world is spinning out of control, when it seems like wicked and evilness are winning, I want you to get that picture in your head. God is in on heaven on his throne. The earth is his footstool. And the, all of heaven will one day stand and say, all rise. The honorable King of kings and Lord of lords is coming in all of his glory. God's throne is secure. He's not sitting in heaven having a panic attack. Y'all realize that, don't you? He's not up there shaking and going, oh, my heavens, what in the world's going to happen? This place is going crazy. They have lost their minds. He is not panicking because God is in control. <clears throat> Psalms 93 says this. It says, as God sits securely on his throne, securely, he's not teetering. He's not hanging off. He's not have one leg on, one leg off, hanging on for dear life. As God sits securely on his throne, he's in charge of it all. The entire world. And he knows what he is doing. When we don't even know what we're doing 10 minutes from now, God fully well knows what he's doing. Our hearts and our minds have got to trust in that and go, God, you're securely on your throne. None of this is throwing you off. None of this is throwing you into a panic, God. That, that, if we hold on to that, that's what gets us through whatever's ahead. It's when we don't see it as that is when we get turned upside down. And finally, number four is this. And Isaac is awesome and is already here. Isaac's going <clears> to <throat> come and I'm going to finish this with number four. <clears throat> God's presence is perfect. God's house is vital. <clears throat> God's throne is secure. And I know that I know that I know this to be true. Number four, 
God's presence is coming. His presence. What you felt today in worship, some of you, it may be a familiar, some of you, you go, I don't know what that exactly was. It's called the presence of God. And though we may not see him face to face at this time, he still sends his presence through the Holy Spirit. That though we may not be able to understand it or explain it, but we know the feeling that we have. And it's the presence of God. His presence coming to let us know that he's going to be with us, that he never leaves us or forsakes us, that his eyes are always on us, his presence. But there's coming a day, and we've prayed this, and Pastor Paul and Lynn, I know y'all have prayed this, and, and saints that are here that are, have walked with the Lord many years, I know you've prayed it. We've prayed for an outpouring of God's presence on our nation, on our communities, within our churches and families. That God would come and bring an outpouring of His presence like nothing we've ever known before. A revival spirit to come and to be poured out on His people. And if you go back and if you study the history of revivals, which I am not a scholar on, but if you go back and you study the history of revivals, God's presence was always poured out in a time when the world and the culture was going crazy. Every single time. And for those of you who are old enough to remember the 70s, the Jesus movement of the 70s, God's presence was poured out. In a way, people were getting saved. People were turning their hearts to God. People were repenting. God showed up. But it came on the heels of the 1960s, which was a time of great, great unrest, great wickedness and evil in our nation in the 60s. When things were so turned upside down, everything was so horrible, couldn't get any worse, people thought. And the 70s hit, and God poured His presence out in a way. That was the last great outpouring And our prayer has been for all these years, Jesus, would you come and would you do it again? Would you come and bring your presence, God, in a way like people have never seen before? Would you come and bring your power, God, in ways that people have never seen before, that they would know that you're real, that we wouldn't have to just say it, but that people would know and recognize there is a real God who loves people, who forgives them of their sins, who heals them in their bodies, who heals their broken hearts. Jesus, would you come and would you pour your presence out once again? In Joel chapter 2, you know this verse. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Are you really praying for God's presence to come? Are you really on your face before God begging Him for His presence to come? Because without Jesus, New Iberia is never going to turn around.
Without His presence, your life's never going to be what God intended unless His presence comes and saturates us with the powerful, mighty, precious, enveloping presence of the Holy God. His presence is coming. We've got to be on our face asking if ever there was a time we needed in church. It's now. And as I wrap up today, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, our two girls, Hillary and Hannah, and then Elizabeth is, uh, is our little assistant who is now our, fixing to be our future daughter-in-law, as only God can do. And the three girls had a trip. They found some good, cheap airline tickets. This was all pre-COVID. Some good, cheap plane tickets to New York City. And they were going to make a trip to New York City. And so I got wind of it, and they were telling me, oh, they're going to go on this trip, whatever. Well, as any good mother would do, I invited myself. I said, wow, y'all got cheap tickets. Well, that's awesome. Oh, y'all have already found places to stay. Great. Is there how many bedrooms? Oh, great. You could probably take one more. And then I came back around. I kept kind of hinting for them to invite me, but they never did. And so then I just said, well, what do y'all think if your mother went with you? Oh, yeah, Mom, that'd be great, you know. So I went. And I'd never been to New York City before. Okay. Everybody has their own. Keep New York City. Give me South Louisiana any day of the week is all I've got to say. But we went to New York and we did all the sightseeing and we did all the stuff and it was lovely and I probably don't ever need to go back. But one of the last days we were in New York, we went to the 9-11 Museum. And the 9-11, it's the 20-year anniversary is coming up, which is unbelievably hard to imagine. And so we went to the 9-11 Museum, and I don't know if any of you have ever been there before, but if you're ever in New York City, you need to go. And it's this, it's this fabulous museum with what, what it represents and what's in it's not fabulous. But they've done a great job representing and presenting the events of that horrific day. And so you go from one, one exhibit to the next exhibit to the next, and it's got the pit, pictures of faces. It's got the video of the news. And those of you who remember the, the, the planes, and, and it's just you, all the news coverage, and then it, the, the towers that are, have fallen, and the people that are running that are covered in the dust. You remember that in, in your mind if you, if you were old enough to remember. And so your heart, it's, it's so heavy. And your tears are just, just all the way there. And so you're walking through each one of these exhibits. And, and then there's the, the beam. One of the beams from one of the towers is in there. Totally like, like, a, like a, a Lego toy just being crumpled. This gigantic, huge twin tower beam is in there just crumpled. There's the, the, the firefighters uniforms that are just burned with the picture of the first responders I mean it, it's just it's almost like when you think you can't take anymore you go to the next the next place and then it's something else in the next place and so your emotions are all over the place you're 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 horrified you want to look away you get mad you all the emotions you're going through it and then you come to the very last exhibit. 
And the very last exhibit is a voice recording of a U.S. astronaut that was in space at the time that the Twin Towers fell. And it shows this Google, and I, I, I'm not technical, so I don't know, some Google something, that you're up there and it's this picture, and it shows the earth, and it shows, then it zooms into New York, and it shows green, and then it shows the, 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 the explosion. And then just this smoke pillow comes up. This is from space. And there's this recording And it's a U.S. astronaut radioing back to Earth. And he says this, and I quote this. He says this, Our thoughts and prayers are with you and to the people who have been killed. But I want you to know, America still looks great from space. And to the citizens of New York City, I want you to know that I know that all you see is destruction. But from where I sit, you are a city that still looks great from up here. You will recover. You will come back. And you will come back better than ever before. We stand with you. And I left that exhibit, and by this time, just tears. And I just went outside by myself and grabbed my phone and started writing this down because I knew there was a spiritual significance to it. And I was on the outside bench, and I told the girls just to give me a minute, and I'm just typing in my phone as fast as I can. Because the verse comes to mind immediately when I hear that recording. Immediately, the verse that comes to mind was Hebrews chapter 12, when it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, to this life of faith. There's a cloud of witnesses the Bible describes that's in heaven. And it's all the men and women of the Bible that we have read about. It's your loved ones that have gone before you. It's all the host of heavenly angels. A cloud of witnesses that peer over heaven's balcony and they look down on us and God is on his throne and the cloud of witnesses it is in heaven. And as I came out of that exhibit, I began to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and go, this very thing is happening in the Spirit. And I began to write this down, that all of heaven is saying to us, I know it looks bad from your point of view. And I know it looks like your country and your culture and maybe even your life may look like destruction. But from up here, from our perspective, where we sit in heaven, you still look great. You will come back. You will recover. God is still working and God's presence is coming to you in a way and coming back better than ever before. You will come back. You will stand again. It's simply having the point of view from someone who sits up higher to go everything really is going to be okay.
Bow your heads, church, and let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here this morning. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that you are the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords who sit on your throne in heaven and the earth is your footstool. Father, I thank you for the cloud of witnesses that sits in heaven even at this very moment. The ones who have gone before us, the men and women of the Bible that we read about so often, the host of angels that are leaning over heaven's balcony to look down on us on earth and go. It may seem like destruction now, but from where I sit, you still look really great. You're going to be okay. You're going to come through this situation. God is answering and listening to your prayers. God is going to send his presence. God is going to give you everything you need to walk through whatever you're walking out of the doors to. His peace really is perfect. He really is securely on his throne and his presence really is going to come. So, Father, I pray for your people today that, God, you would pour courage into them, pour courage into hearts that may be discouraged, pour courage into hearts, God, that need to know that you're working on their behalf. And, Father, I pray that they walk out of here with a different perspective than when they walked in, knowing that you are in charge of it all. Thank you, Father, for being with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.